I really cannot even believe I'm saying happy December right now, but it's December and that means holidays and scarves and delicious warm drinks and family and friends and all the beautiful things that come along with December. I love December so much. And then the new year, which is great because so many amazing things are coming up for this new year. I have more retreats in the works. I have my two-day retreat in January. By the way, you have about a week before the early bird price ends. So if you do want to snack that early bird price of $3.97, definitely sign up before December 15th. You can do that at morethanthisevent.com. You can read all about it. You can get all the insight and information on the retreat. We really hope to see you there. It's going to be a great intimate gathering for soul sisters where we can create this beautiful tribe together of like-minded women on a similar journey and we can bring all of our different gifts to the table. So we're so excited to be hosting this retreat Um, and it'll be a great way to kick off your new year to really get 2017 off on the right track, the right foot uh, with me alongside you and Amanda Duran. So you can sign up for that. Just make sure you get it in before the early bird price is gone. Also, if you have a bestie or a mom or a cousin or whoever that you want to bring alongside you, let me know because I'll give you personally $50 off each of your ticket. We're super stoked for that. Okay, so today's episode is with Justin Stenstrom, and he is a nationally acclaimed life coach author, entrepreneur, and speaker. He is the founder of EliteManMagazine.com and the host of the Elite Man podcast on iTunes. Once anxious, insecure, depressed, and unhappy, Justin's overcome many of his life's greatest obstacles and loves nothing more than helping others do the same. In today's show, we talk about lots about anxiety and how to come out of this place where you have panic attacks and feel overwhelming stress and feel this desire to fix everything, control everything and and change everything and how you can learn to have more flow and trust. And I love his perspective, particularly having a man on the show to come on and talk about this is great. We also dive deeper into relationships and if it's healthy or not healthy to have non-negotiables in a relationship and what it takes to accumulate that does that relationship that you desire in your life. So I'm really excited to release this episode to you guys. I know you're going to gain a lot from it, but before we head on over, of course, as always, the review of the week. This comes from Kmart Security, and they say amazing podcast with five stars. I just want to say you're such an inspiration to me. I'm in recovery right now, and I'm doing amazing. I listen to your podcast every morning while I go on my morning run. I've listened to a couple other podcasts, but yours yours are the most inspiring, insightful, entertaining, helpful, and enjoyable. Thank you, Kmart Security. I really appreciate your beautiful words. It does mean so much to me. Anyone who has not left a review, you can do that, as I've said on every episode on iTunes. You can also send the podcast to a friend. If someone you think will really resonate with the show today, just take two seconds to grab the link to this podcast and send it over via text. Amazing way to help spread the message of the show, help Justin get his message out, me get my message out, and help other people have fun on their morning run. So thank you everyone who does listen to this podcast every single week. I am delighted to bring you this episode with Justin. So let's go ahead and head on over. Welcome to the Mind Body Musings podcast 
the show for everyone and anyone that is ready to break free from the dogmatic chains of the health and fitness industry and create their own life free from restrictions. Now, introducing your host, Madeline Moon, a former fitness model gone sane and the author of the popular self-love book, The Perfection Myth. If you dig the show and you're looking for more insight on how to stop food and exercise from controlling your life, check out her website, maddiemoon.com, and grab your free guide. If you're ready to end dieting once and for all, it's time you learn how to pursue real health instead. Enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Mind Body Musings podcast. Today's going to be a really fun and different episode because, as you know, we have the founder of Elite Man Magazine on the show today, Justin. How are you doing today, Justin? Maddie, I'm doing fantastic. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm doing fantastic, and I am really excited to talk to your audience. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Um, I don't know if you have listened to my show or know much about it, but it's very. I don't know. I have a lot of, I do surprisingly have a lot of male listeners, but it is more feminine energy focused. So I thought this would be really cool to hear about your story, your background, because you have a very important point of view, I feel, and you get to talk to so many incredible people. You're just packed of knowledge. So I'm stoked and I'm glad to have you here. (laughs) Thanks so much. I'm excited to be here. So the very first thing we do, of course, is let the guests talk about their background and their story and how they got to where they are today. So tell us your story. All right. So it all started for me about eight, nine years ago. I mean, I was back in senior year, junior year, senior year of high school. Um, You know, this is a time where everyone's going out, having fun, going to parties, enjoying life. And um me, on the other hand, I was going home every night. I was depressed. I was anxious. I was getting panic attacks three to four times a week. I had no social life, no dating life, and like just zero confidence whatsoever. I mean, this is just a really, really tough time. And it lasted uh, for a couple of years, sort of leading up to that point. And then um, after, you know, getting this really bad panic attack one day, like the next day I woke up and decided I was just going to like figure these problems out. So uh, I went on this sort of self-discovery, self-help journey, and it took me a couple of years to really sort of figure these things out in my life, these problems out. Um, but after a couple of years of really just trying things out, seeing what worked, seeing what didn't work, um, I was able to overcome these problems. And then I started helping other people out, especially guys, like a lot of guys that I'd kind of become friends with. Um, I started helping those guys out with like their dating problems, their confidence problems, um, and then, you know, I founded my first blog shortly after that, I started going to meetup groups and online forums. And, um, from there, I kind of just grew on that idea and expanded to, uh, you know, what I do now with the, um, sort of elite man brand. Can you go into detail on like, what do you believe, what do you say was the, um, the root of your insecurities and your confidence issues? Where did that come from in your life? I think it started for me. I mean, looking back now, I kind of I get this question a lot too, and I think it started. I can't hundred percent say for certainty, but I'm pretty sure I know that it, um, you know the basis of it. And I think it started from going uh, from middle school, where I was sort of like the big fish in a little pond. You know, I had a lot of friends. I was really popular, and then high school came around. 
Um, you know, I got thrown into like sort of this ocean where I was just like the little fish in this giant sea and kind of got lost in that transition. I lost a lot of my friends uh, from grade school. I, uh, you know, I, I didn't really fit into um, the bigger crowd. I was, I was very introverted, very shy as it turns out. So I kind of kept to myself and, and kept like this for years. And it kind of just build up, built up inside me where I, I realized, you know, I didn't have any friends. I wasn't connected with anybody. Like I mentioned, a lot of the people are going out having fun at this time in their life. Um, every single night I was going home alone. Like after school, I'd sit home and go home alone and just sit there for hours and do nothing. And on the weekends, I would have nothing to do. I'd sit around all day, you know, watching TV or something. And so I think it just kind of built up inside me. Like I have nothing going on for me. I didn't have any, you know, plans to go to college. I didn't have any direction of where I wanted to head with my future or any of that stuff. So I think it just slowly built up over time and kind of snowballed into this, um, you know, realization that I was very alone. Uh, I was very anxious about what I was, what was going to happen in the future, and I was also depressed about missing out on a lot of these things that were going on, you know, in my life right now, or some of the things I'd missed out in, you know, my short past. Mm -hmm. Your story sounds very familiar because it's like mine. <laughs> but um, so a little bit of insight about me: I used to be a fitness competitor, and I was just very disordered and my obsession with my body and looking perfect led me to be isolated and by myself and really lonely. And even the, the smaller I got, the more insecure I became and I created this perfect body and there was nothing to do inside of it because I was so obsessed about it and so terrified I'd lose it. And it really always boils back to control, the fear of the unknown, the fear of rejection, the media getting to my head, all of those different things. But I will say that relationships with people, friends, like that's always kind of been something where I've been like, well, I'm an introvert. I don't really need it. It's not that import important, but I would say that in the past year, relationships, physical relationships with people face to face, not just in the online space, the online world with your online business, but like in person, seeing people going out, having conversations, meeting up phone calls, that's becoming really important and present in my life more and more important. And I don't know if that comes with age because I think that like, um, a lot of people are very much in love with having relationships when they're younger, like going out with friends and hanging with friends, but maybe there's, it's kind of common to fade out of that at a certain point in your life and then glide back into it where it becomes really important. Um, I don't know if that is for a lot of people, but would you say now that, now that you feel, well, now that you are definitely out of this major depression that you had and you have this booming business, do you also feel like in-person relationships has become a priority in your life and something that really fills you up and fuels you having those deep, authentic relationships with people? Yeah, I absolutely do. And I think you brought up a great point in, you know, especially the online space that you and I are in. It's like we have all these friends on social media, on Facebook. Uh, you know, we connect with colleagues and business partners all the time through email and podcasting. Um, but it's not it's not the same. Like I, I recently had my first event too a few months ago where I had a couple hundred people come over a course of a weekend. And, and, you know, I got to finally meet all these people I've been interacting with for the last few years. And it's just incredible, like having that face to face interaction, getting to know them personally, like see them in person, get to joke with them, laugh with them. And um, there's so much more to communication, like in person than just say, you know, a, a great email or, or a nice text or something like that. You know, you just get so much more out of being face to face with someone and, and actually like truly connecting the, with with them 
um, you know, on that innate sort of level. And uh, this actually was was the part of my life where I sort of took my took my life to the next level. And I figured out how to kind of overcome panic and depression and, you know, my own personal struggles. But it wasn't until I, I stepped out of my comfort zone, because I'm an incredible introvert myself. It wasn't until after that point, that I started meeting people and, um, you know, putting myself out there and going to events and meetup groups and um, just talking to people, literally just socializing with people that I actually, you know, found happiness for like the first time in my life since I was like a kid. You know, you're always happy as a kid, but you sort of lose that, I think, as time goes by, or, or some people do at least. And I was one of those people who kind of lost that true happiness. But it wasn't until connecting with other people that I was able to get that back. What other steps could you give my listeners of people who, for people who are that who are going through depression or having uh, panic attacks i know a lot of people listening to the show have anxiety what steps would you give them to transforming that energy and turning it into something that's actually beneficial for them the the biggest thing i did and the best step i can give your audience right now the number one thing is this thing i was going through these panic attacks three to four times a week so the first thing i decided was i was i had to stop these things i had to stop panic before i could get control of my life before i could figure out any other issues you know the dating the confidence the depression anything else i had to take control of my mind so the first thing i set out to do was conquer and end this these panic attacks and i stumbled across this short little ebook um, written about 15 years ago or so. I don't, I don't really know the exact date of it. It's just a tiny little like 20, 30 page book, uh, by, by a, a guy named, I believe, Joe Barry. And it's called, uh, Panic, the Panic Away Method or Panic Away, something along those lines. And it's, it's just a quick three step little technique that he uses to, to, um, end panic attacks. And also this little, the, the technique he uses, the process is so simple, but so, um, counterintuitive and effective at the same time. Like you can use this in anything. And I'm going to give you a short little story afterwards about how you can use it in like practical life. But the, the three steps, so I'll go through them real quickly. The three steps are, um, for anyone, and Maddie, have you ever had a panic attack, by the way? I do not think so. I've had moments of like panic, but I don't, from what I've heard people, like their descriptions of a panic attack, I don't think I've had that. Okay. So for anyone who hasn't had one, any of your audience or even you, Maddie, if you haven't fully had a panic attack, um, the sensations of one are basically uh, – and, and they vary from person to person, but they're for the most part racing thoughts that you can't control like obsessive thoughts – crazy thoughts about something terrible happening, uh, your heart pounding, you have sweaty palms, your legs shaking, uh, butterflies in your stomach, like just a complete feeling of dread throughout your entire body. That's basically what a panic attack is. And it lasts anywhere from a few minutes to a few hours to sometimes even in, in extreme cases to like days on end. Like you just can't shake this feeling of complete panic. And so it's, it's literally one of the worst feelings, in my opinion, the worst feeling uh, in the world. So this is what happens when you get a panic attack. All these things happen. Um, and what most people want to do, and what I was doing for a long time, is trying to either suppress the panic, like pretend it wasn't happening, uh, ignore it, um, run away from it, sort of shy away from it, or just trying to do something else and pretend like it's not going on. And this, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it, it helps and, you know, kind of forget about it or move on from it. But a lot of the time it doesn't work. And so step number one, when you're getting a panic attack and this sort of little technique is to actually sit back and do nothing. Just just observe what's going on. Like, don't react, don't run away, don't hide away from it, shy from it, uh, ignore it, all the, all those things. Just absorb it. Uh, absorb 
observe and see what's happening. Uh, so that's number one. Step number two is to then actually do something crazy and, and welcome it in. Like you actually welcome the panic in. Like say you're having a panic attack about giving a speech because a lot of people kind of, uh, you know, fear doing speeches. So you're, you're um, thinking about messing up. You're thinking about forgetting your lines, um, you know, just looking bad in front of people. So you have all these thoughts going through your head and you literally just go through and, and welcome it. You say, welcome back panic. You know, welcome back fear. Welcome back uh, thoughts of, of messing up on my speech or uh, forgetting my lines. And you just kind of go through all the symptoms that you're having and all the issues that you're having of, of terror and fear at the moment, and you just welcome it in. And the third step and most important step of all, this is the most empowering step, is you actually go through, have this dialogue in your head and call out the panic. Like you ask for more of it. I know it sounds crazy, but you you literally go through and say, give me more panic. Give me more fear. Give me more of these thoughts of messing up, of, of falling flat on my face, of forgetting my lines, of uh, these butterflies in my stomach, these shaky legs, these sweaty palms, every single thing that's causing you fear, causing you terror. Uh, you literally call it out and ask for more of it. And what actually happens within just a few moments, Maddie, is that the, the panic goes away. FDR himself said it best. We have nothing to fear but fear itself. And he couldn't have been more on point than with this um, technique, with this process here. The panic is literally just a concoction in your, in your mind of something that you're projecting in the future is going, going to happen. And when you actually call it out, fully embrace it, you sort of expose it. You put it up to the light and it exposes it for what it truly is. And that's nothing. I love that you're talking about the power of the mindset and also the power of embracing because I really feel that 90% of the issues that we face on a daily basis is because we don't know how to embrace them. We just don't know how to embrace and accept what is. And so we fight it and fight it. And then it just goes downstairs and it lifts weights and it gets bigger and scarier and stronger when it comes back over and over and over and over again. And so the parts of us that we, we won't accept often the parts that we judge other people for, those are the exact parts of our life that we need to learn how to, um, accept and even vulnerably share with others and being open with it and saying, yeah, like I have panic attacks and, um, I'm not perfect. And I'm working on allowing myself to, um, feel these emotions that I'm facing and maybe even come face to face and sit in that exact fear that you have. So those are amazing. I love those tips. Those are great. And, when I really think about it, I, I, I believe I have had a few instances very, very similar to that. I've had more of like the breakdown crying on the bathroom floor kind of things. And those can last like 20 minutes. I'm <laughs> just like groveling. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I have a few instances in my life where I have had the shaky hands and just like overwhelming panic thoughts. Um, normally for me, that was when I was in my the darker days of my fitness competitions and those would like happen on a treadmill or something like that. Um, so very cool. Very interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. Maddie, are you, do you like roller coasters? Oh, that's a really good question. Very interesting. You asked that. Um, because heights have been something that I've been f afraid of most of my life. And just recently I've started to realize that like that's an old story and I actually am really enjoying heights and I actually enjoy roller coasters, which is like very new to me and very like not like my past. But yeah, I think now it's pretty, now I've grown to accept it and embrace it and it's fun. <laughs> cool. Um, if you don't mind, I want to just share a quick little like 60 second story of, yes, of roller coasters. Please. And so this is kind of just demonstrates uh, how to use this little technique 
in real life, in like any real life situation that you're having terror about or you're, you're totally scared about. Um, for me, I hated roller coasters for, um, you know, the 20 years of my life leading up to this point of, of discovering this little technique. And I was the guy who was always like bent over, ready to throw up as soon as I got in the ride. And then after, after the ride, be throwing up for the next half an hour, hour and totally terrified and, and feared roller coasters. You know, I was petrified of them. Long story short, a uh, couple of years after figuring out this technique, this little method, I'm um, going through sort of like a transformational period in my life where I'm, I'm overcoming things. I'm facing my fears. And I happen to be with this friend of mine who's an incredible daredevil. Uh, he's a skydiver, adrenaline junkie, you know, all the above, just a, a nut like, you know, for, for adrenaline and, and just doing crazy stuff. And long story short, we're, we're in um, Six Flags theme park. And, you know, I, I tell him, you know, my friend's name's Bobby. I, t I tell Bobby, you know, I just want to go there for the day, uh, you know, for a couple hours, hang out, you know, walk around, maybe talk to some girls. You know, I'm single at the time. Uh, you know, we'll have a good time, but I'm not going on any roller coasters. Though. I hate them. He knows this. I hate them. And, you know, I, I get sick every single time I, I go on them. Um, so flash forward about 30 minutes. And besides being a daredevil, Bobby also happens to be an incredibly persuasive guy. <laughs> so... I find myself about 30 minutes later sitting next to Bobby on a roller coaster, not just any roller coaster, but the worst one there. It's like the bizarro one, you know, it goes about 70, 80 miles an hour, has that 200 foot drop or whatever in the beginning. And, you know, I look over at Bobby and Bobby's, you know, yelling and, he, and he's swearing and putting his hands up and just, you know, doing everything, just acting like a fool, but like just totally, you know, loving the moment. And, you know, I look over at Bobby, I'm like, Bobby, come on, man, at least, you know, you know, stop acting like a jerk. You know, we're both about to die here. You got me on this thing. At least save me some dignity, right? Like, <laughs> calm down, man. So, you know, that, he didn't mean it to be profound or anything, but he looked at me and said something along the lines of, you know, Justin, like, this is what you have to do. This is how you ride roller coasters. And, you know, like I said, I was sort of in this transformational period, sort of, I don't know if I was feeling brave that moment or that day, but I started doing what Bobby was doing. I, I lifted up my hands. I started yelling, started screaming, um, you know, started saying things like, we're going to die and, you know, we're screwed and all this other stuff, like just <laughs> yelling things out. And, you know, we take off, we go up that first big loop and I, I you know, I'm, I have my hands up. I'm still yelling. I'm still screaming. And then a couple seconds later, you know, we go flying down that first loop, that first drop. And I have my hands up and I'm yelling. And for the first time in my life, I actually enjoyed the ride. And for the rest of that ride, you know, all the other loops and drops and stuff, um, you know, I was yelling and screaming and fully embracing that moment. And I, I got off the ride and I was totally thrilled, excited. I had a blast on it. And for the rest of that, uh, rest of that day, we went on like all the roller coasters five or six times. And I, I actually learned how to ride roller coasters. And it was because um, I embraced that fear. I totally took it on head on. Even though I was scared to do it, I still faced it and I went with it and I was able to overcome it. And from that point on, I've, I've sort of uh, been able to um, overcome any fear that's come my way and especially you know, ride these roller coasters that I hated up until that point. Oh, I love that story. And that's such a great metaphor. And I, I'm thinking in my own mind, like ways that's very similar when, like, for example, uh, two weekends ago, I was um, like volunteering in the, the kids ministry at uh, a church. Cause I, cause I'm not good with kids. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I want to be good with kids and I want to learn like how to feed that ridiculous, um, almost uncensored, f silly, fun aspect of me. And I think kids will help bring that out. And what better way to like serve the world than with the area I struggle with. So, um, <laughs> that's how I think. And so I joined in and there's this part where you have to just like be silly and goofy and raise your hands and jump and dance and like 
the adult version of me is like, don't do that. You will look stupid, blah, blah, blah. And the minute I just put my <laughs> hands up and I act goofy and I'm not afraid of it, I'm looking at these kids who are looking up to me and they're like, yeah, she looks silly. I can be silly too. And they let their guards down. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how amazing does that feel? And then of course, all of a sudden I didn't feel so silly anymore. And I got totally into the dances we were doing. Um, <laughs> but I love, I love that metaphor. That's really great. Can I ask what Six Flags was it at? Like what state were you in? Um, it's the one in, I think it's Agawam. It, it's in Massachusetts. It's, mm. I think it's, it's a small little town. I think it's called Agawam. Gotcha. Mass. Cause I, so mm. I lived in Texas growing up and we have just these huge roller coasters there. And instead of being the person that would do what you do and just like do it and throw up all the time, I would just wait in the three hour line and then get to the very top and then let all my friends go on. And then I'd walk back down. <laughs> <laughs> which is equally as terrible i think they're both pretty bad but um yeah. that's a good move <laughs> yeah they would just like i would remember just like watching them all go off and wave bye to me and i just be like bye guys and like have this terrible pit in my stomach of like you should have gone on there and then also so much relief like oh my gosh thank goodness i'm not on that um okay so the other thing i did want to touch on with you is your perspective on romantic healthy relationships because mm -hmm. that's something that you like to talk about, enjoy talking about. And I always love getting men's point of views on this and perspectives and specifically what it looks like to have a, oh man, my, my thoughts get so jumbled when I think about this because there's so many different complex aspects of healthy relationships. Like what is a healthy relationship and how do you know when you are putting in effort for something that is uh, see this sounds so cheesy and you're probably gonna correct me here but like meant to be because i know you like create what's meant to be um but mm -hmm. when you're putting an effort to something that is equal and supportive and you're both in it together versus trying to force something force some puzzle pieces that aren't supposed to go together what are some of the signs of yes you're on the right track versus like mm, i don't know about that yeah manny i i like to talk about this topic a lot too and uh you know, it, it's something that I, I like to teach a lot of the guys because I, I started off actually as, as a dating coach and, you know, slowly transitioned. Like I still do dating advice on the on the blog, on the website, uh, even on the podcast. I have guests on for dating, but I slowly transitioned into kind of doing a little more about relationships. Like we cover this topic a little more. So, yeah, if you want, I can kind of rattle off some uh, some signs that if you're in either you're in a relationship, like these are the signs to look for. Or if you're thinking about maybe settling down with your partner. Um, these are signs to look for too. Like if you're ready to take that next step, like think about if these things are something that you currently have, um, you know, in that uh, relationship that you have right now. So the first thing, the the thing to really look for the most is you have little to no arguments. Like you have like it's okay to bicker. You know, you're arguing about uh, or kind of like jokingly arguing about what channel to put it on. You know, what movie to watch or what to get to for to for dinner for that night um you know things like that are, are totally fine but having like these drawn out blown out uh, sort of nasty arguments all the time if you're sort of in a relationship like that or if you're with somebody and you're thinking about getting a relationship and you kind of you guys act like that now you should probably think about not doing that um it, it's just a recipe for disaster if you if you're always doing this you know you're both getting drained your energies are getting drained uh however on the other hand when you do have arguments, like arguments can be productive. That, that's kind of the flip flip side of this uh, point. If you do have arguments, like hopefully they're not all the time, obviously. Like, you don't want to be fighting all the time with somebody. But if you do have an argument, they are productive. Like those times that you have arguments, you get something done. Like maybe even holding something in for a while, 
Uh, maybe you know, your guidelines or your rules, your boundaries weren't 100% concrete. When you guys do actually fight, when you do have these sort of drawn out um, you know, battles with each other, at the end of them, you resolve them and you actually are better off as a couple, as a relationship going forward after that. So that's kind of like the first thing I like to talk about. Yeah, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. That makes a lot of sense. And I think when, whenever I hear you say that, I think um, automatically our society is like, no, you're supposed to have fights and you're supposed to work through it. It's hard, hard work and you fight and that's how it is. And mm-hmm. I think it's almost a relatively new concept that partnerships aren't supposed to be filled with fights. Or maybe that's just like my brain thinking that it is so common for most relationships to have not most, I won't say that, but a lot of relationships to be filled with fights. And that's kind of just the way it is like, sorry, Charlie, that's relationships, but it doesn't really have to be that way. And I think it's great to follow relationships like people, um, either online or in person, you have inspirations and watch how they support each other so that you see it is possible. Like my grandparents, for example, are a great uh, example for me when I see them, there's just so much love there and they're still together and it's been all these years and it's just so inspiring to me. And, uh, same goes for my parents. And then there are of course other couples that I watch and, and try to learn from them. So I do love that you pointed that out first and foremost, because there is supposed to be harmony in the home, just the way you design a home to like represent you. You want your conversations, relationships to be supportive and, uh, encouraging for each other and for the sanctity of the relationship itself. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it kind of goes along too with what what you just said, kind of goes along with sort of one of the other things I like to talk about. And that's it. That is you completely respect your partner in every way. Like you don't have to agree with them. You don't have to take their position or their side on everything. Um, you know, I, I like to actually bring this little example up. You know, it's kind of political season right now. Um, my, my, my father and my mother are divorced. They both have their own sort of, um, partners now that they're, they're not married, but they're, they've both been seeing someone for a while. Um, my father actually has to be, happens to be a stone cold, um, conservative. Like he's a Republican, you know, old, old, older guy, you know, stone cold Republican. His girlfriend, on the other hand, happens to be, uh, a diehard liberal like she's very democratic pro hillary you know he's pro trump so like they're both complete opposites on the spectrum but the good thing about it is and why it works is that they completely respect each other like at dinner time you know that they might have their little arguments the back and forth about their policies you know each one's right and you know why the other one's better but at the end of the day after the end of you know say 15 minutes or 10 minutes of conversation you know they put their differences aside you know they say whatever agree, agree to disagree or um, you know, you're right, or, you know, I agree about that, but I don't like that, and whatever. They, they move on. The point is, they move on. They respect each other. They respect each other's position. They don't agree with each other, with each other at all, but they respect each other, and they can still love each other and sort of get past their, uh, their differences. Oh, that's a great example. That's <laughs> fun to, that's really fun to know that that is possible. Um, my parents are very conservative as well, and we have learned how to play nicely, which has been <laughs> cool because they used to like not really respect me having my own beliefs, and as I've gotten older now, they're like, okay, we can't like control what she believes, and they've been very uh, polite and respectful, and I am the same way with them, which is a good mm-hmm. place to be. Do you believe in deal breakers? 
Um, yeah, I do think there's deal breakers. And I was talking to my friend uh, Jay Mayo about this a few weeks ago. He's another uh, relationship guy, dating guy that I've, I've known for a while. And uh, he has – he's a very Christian guy. He has – He's, he has, he's like four deal breakers that he has. And, you know, that's for him. And I can't remember all of them, but, but a couple of them were um, for what he's looking for in a long-term partner. He's looking for someone who who's a Christian like him because it's very important in his life. He he doesn't want a woman who smokes like cigarettes. He, he's just like totally turned off by that. He wants someone who's kind of takes care of them, their health. Um, and it was a, oh, he's also – I mean this is kind of crazy to me. But I respect it in him. He's also abstinent for, you know, kind of his religious beliefs or whatever, too. He wants another, he wants his partner to be abstinent, um, until marriage. So that's important to him. You know, it's totally not something that I would ever do personally, but I respect it. And I respect that, you know, he's looking for someone specifically that kind of fits his criteria. And if it's not going to fit what he wants long term, you know, he's just going to kind of politely move on. And, you know, the, everyone has their little deal breakers. Everyone has things that, you know, that they, they want in a long term partner. And I think it's important to, to sort of brainstorm or at least figure out what you're looking for in someone long term if you have these things you know for instance if jay um had these three things and you know he had these kind of criteria in these in these deal breakers but he went back on his word you know he found a woman who um you know was jewish and she smoked and um she wanted to have sex all the time you know he might love the woman he might uh, really be attracted to her or whatever but you know he'd be kind of breaking his own sort of uh code and what he wanted he'd be breaking what he stood for and i respect him for not kind of bending on that even though i don't necessarily agree with it i respect him for standing by his word and what he believes in and i think people should have their own kind of little criteria even if it's not as sort of as uh you know maybe as, as extreme as jay's i think having some criteria and kind of standing by that, that actually can be a good thing right i agree as well i think I have, I think the problem, and by the way, if you hear any sound in the background, that's my dog eating food. <laughs> I'm trying to get him to come over here and stop, but he's too far. Um, I think the problem happens when you start to have a really long list. I think it's good yeah. to have like, I think four, mm -hmm. I mean, four to like five or six, like things that are really important. I think that's good. But whenever you have like, he has to be this tall and he has to have uh, parents that are still together or he has to have this particular job and make this much money. I think that's when it becomes really limited and hard to like find that right person, you know, like, do you agree mm -hmm. with that as well? Like some of the more, more surface things, maybe you should yeah. be more, yeah, have more room on that. Absolutely. And I, actually, I was, if you'd asked me this probably a month or two ago, I would have said, you know, criteria, deal breakers are all kind of things I, I think people make up in their minds and they're not healthy because you do put out, you do put a lot of people off because not everyone's going to fit into, you know, what you think the ideal person, the ideal man or woman is. Um, but, you know, after talking to Jay, I kind of, you know, I got a better understanding of, you know, I do respect him for having those. But like you said, I don't think, you know, you should go overboard with it and have, you know, 20 different things on your checklist. And, you know, if they don't fit all those things, they're, they're immediately canceled out. I think a couple things are fine, you know, two, three, maybe four, five max. Um, but, you know, keep it open. Keep it what you truly believe in, what you really want to stand for. But aside from that, like height, you know, weight, um, I don't know, re religious belief, like those things, I don't really think really matter that much, especially in, in this day and age. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think the thing that – and tell me if you relate to this as well. You have a girlfriend or a wife, right? Girlfriend? Yeah, girlfriend for a couple of years. Okay, cool. Well, I find, and I don't know if this is similar to y'all, but you're in, you, we're in very similar 
world, being in the online personal development, we're always reading books. We're always working on ourselves. We're always trying to find the the new and improve hacking this or like get better sleep or um, write (laughs) better posts, like just be better humans. Like that's an addiction. I'll speak for myself. It's an addiction for me to constantly be working on myself in some way. (laughs) And I find that very easy to connect with online. I can get on my Facebook and immediately be filled with hundreds of other people just like that because they're the friends that I've chosen to be with on Facebook. But then in real life when I'm dating people, like not everyone is like that, like at all. You know, that's kind of, I wouldn't say it's rare, but it's not just everywhere that there are people who are creating online businesses and as ambitious and self-aware as say you and I. So I think that's been something a little bit of a struggle for me is to know what do I want romantically? Do I want someone that is on the same path with ambition and creations and passion as me, or is a wiggle room with that to let someone kind of live a, a, a not so constantly obsessed with growing kind of lifestyle or as ambitious, or maybe they have a job that's not all about serving people, but really just making money. Or if someone's not creating new ideas and dreams for themselves, like, does that bother me? It's things like that, that are a little more vague and hard for me to know, like, is this should it be important to me? Should it not? Like that kind of gets in my head sometimes and I have to just really go with my heart and see what my feelings are trying to tell me. Um, has, was that ever something that was for you going on for you as looking for a woman who was just as into personal development as you are? (laughs) That's a, that's a really great question. And, uh, for me, actually, the funny thing is, is my girlfriend is totally not into any of this stuff um, that I'm into. Like you're into this stuff, like self-help, personal development. Like I'm always reading these self-help books, um, listening to podcasts, you know, like yours and mine. And, um, you know, she's totally not that type of person at all. Mm-hmm. But the great thing is, is that she supports me, like a hundred percent supports me. Uh, she even, we, we actually even had this talk a couple days ago where she was something, it was something like, you know, um, you know, I don't contribute. At all. I have this group online, the mastermind group. I think you just actually joined. Yeah, Maddie. I did. <laughs> uh, she's like, yeah, like I, I've been missing out on some of the, uh, the, the Q and A's that we do and stuff on Fridays, like where I go on video, the Facebook live. And, um, she's like, yeah, you know, I kind of feel bad about it. And I'm like, no, it's not a big deal. You know, whatever. I know it's not your thing. She's like, yeah, you know, it's really not my thing. Like I'm not, you know, all about the self-help thing. Like you are, you know, you're like, you're all about it kind of improving people's lives. And, you know, she's like, I like, that's one of the things I love most about you. Like it's so inspiring, but on the other hand, like, it's not me. Like I'm not the one who wants to be on the videos. I'm not the one who wants to be like coaching people. She actually, she's going to, uh, to be like, an ultrasound tech, like, which is totally something like, you know, that's not in my realm or, you know, what we do. But I think the good thing is, is that she supports me like fully and she like respects me and, and understands like that's who I am. And I kind of do that as well with her. Like I understand this is not who she is and I, and I respect that she has passions in other things. And I think that's kind of the, the, the takeaway is that you respect each other. And even though you're not perfectly aligned, um, you don't have the same interests, you can respect that you have different interests and, and, and you know, still support each other in that way. Oh, I could not have said that better myself. Exactly. And it's cool (laughs) to hear you say that because I almost expected you to be like, yeah, she's a coach. Here's her website. She does all this amazing work (laughs) in the world. So it's nice to hear that like it is common. And I'm sure that a lot of people that we follow who do this similar work, their significant others are similar to how your relationship is. We just don't really know it. We kind of always assume that 
there must always be like, oh, I, I assume that people I follow must also attract a partner just like that. But it's almost <laughs> like in my experience when I've dated people who don't do this, it's kind of a relief because as long as you support me and support is great, but then it's nice sometimes to have that break where you can enjoy different things with this human being instead of constantly talking about how we can be better. Cause you have a lot of that in your life already. So it's nice to be with someone who you don't feel like you're constantly have to have to change and work and grow. And even though that's positive, it's cool. I like that. I like spending my time with people and friends that aren't really in this space because we have different conversations and I can teach them a couple of things and then they can teach me a couple of things about what they're interested in. So yeah, I agree absolutely. with that. Well, we have a quick fire round. Uh, I'll just ask you a couple of questions, but before we head on over to that, where can people connect with you? Um, so anyone listening now, I have a new podcast coming out December 5th. So the show is actually going to be the Justin Stenstrom show. If you guys want to check that out, it should be on iTunes and it's, uh, J-U-S-T-I-N-S-T-E-N-S-T-R-O-M. If you guys can check that out and subscribe, it's going to be an awesome new show with some, you know, just fantastic guests on it. So yeah, it's the best place to check me out. Awesome. And I'll make sure I have the link to that on the show notes for this episode 130. Okay, just a couple of questions for you. Ready? Awesome. Yep. All right. Three words to describe you. Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> Persistent, dedicated, and smart, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's good. I don't, smart. <laughs> I don't want to sound like I'm full of myself. I just, <laughs> you put me on the spot. No, those are good. I mean, it's better to do ones that you believe are real than to like play down one, you know, just because, <laughs> um, those are great. If you could live anywhere in the world besides where you live, where would it be? Oh, that's a great question too. I'd probably say California. I've been out there a couple of times and it's it's really beautiful. I'm in Massachusetts, which is actually the opposite end of that. So, mm. I mean, I, I'm familiar with Mass. I love Mass, but I, I also think California is a beautiful uh, state. Yeah, I do love California. What did you eat for breakfast? Today, all I had was a yogurt, a, a Greek yogurt, and a banana. Well, that's a solid choice. <laughs> um, What is your biggest turn on quality in a partner? Ooh, that's a great question too. I would honestly say confidence. Like I, I've met a ton of women in my life and all, and, and even my girlfriend is probably the most confident, but all of the women I've ever been like really, really attracted to, they had an incredible amount of confidence about them. Like they just knew what they wanted in life. They knew what they, you know, how, how to get there and they weren't afraid of just being themselves. That's great. I love that. What's a must read book? Uh, must read book. Uh, you know, there's so many great ones, but the one I think for uh, your audience will benefit from, and you know, just people, entrepreneurs like listening, I think is Ask by Ryan Levesque. This is an incredible book about figuring out what your audience wants and then how to deliver it to them. Ooh, I need to read that. It sounds great. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Um, do you wash your lettuce when you buy it in a bag or do you trust the pre-washed label? <laughs> I'm a germaphobe, so I actually wash it like three times over. <laughs> I'm always curious about that. Like, I just wanted to know. I don't see. I don't wash it, and then I'm like, you don't? no. And then I'm like, man, maybe I should wash it. Um, okay, <laughs> who would you cast to play you in a movie? 
Um, I'd say Johnny Depp. He's probably my favorite actor, so I'd love it if uh, he could play me. <laughs> yes. Okay, I'll watch the movie then. I'm obsessed with Johnny Depp. Like Edward Scissorhands Johnny Depp. That's the one that I want. Love it. Love it. <laughs> okay, last question. If you had three people at your perfect dinner party, who would they be, dead or alive? Oh, this is a great question, too. Let me think for a second. Number one has to be Bob Dylan, an incredible fan of his. Uh, number two, probably Benjamin Franklin, one of the smartest guys that ever lived. And wow, number three. I mean, this is a really, this is a really good one. Um, yeah, maybe we go with someone like Leonardo da Vinci, another just incredible mind. You know, probably the smartest guy as far as most innovative mind that that we've ever had. So yeah, probably him. That's good. I like that. I thought you were going to say DiCaprio for a second. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, good. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's always a pleasure to hear from um, new people who can provide really unique perspectives, especially on dating, because I'm just always so interested in that and relationships and also depression, of course, because that is such a big thing and very prevalent thing in our day and age. So thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your insight with us. Thanks. Thanks so much, Maddie. I really appreciate it and had a blast. Everyone, if you want to check out his links and check out his podcast, go to the show notes for this episode 130. And while you're over there, I have been doing this new thing called Monday Favorites. It's just basically an email with all my favorite things that happened since the previous Monday. So if you would like to see what's going on in my world, sign up for my email list. You'll also get a free quiz, How to Powerfully Live Your One Life. Hope to see you guys there, and I'll see you all next week. Thank you.